0: difference between freedom and the compulsions of conformity, unquote. This was barely predictive of everything that has occurred in the four decades that followed. When psycho was first published, if you visited a bookstore to obtain a copy, you might have found it nestled on an obscure shelf with only a dozen or so other so-called self-help books. Today, of course, self-help is one of the largest sections in the entire bookstore. Psychologists, psychiatrists, and therapists have proliferated. New specialists have emerged, such as sports psychologists and corporate performance coaches, and the stigma of seeking such help has disappeared to such an extent that in some circles, doing so is trendy. Self-help psychology has become so popular it even has found a place in television infomercials. Once difficult, now easy. I'm Greg. It
1: does. You no. Know, not yet
0: that much of this modern explosion of ideas, information, and people to assist you with everything from conquering procrastination to shaving strokes off your golf score appears to be based on psychocybernetics. You might say that my original work was ahead of its time. Or you might say that it has aged well. Whatever you conclude, the most important thing for you, personally, is that the fundamental promise of psychocybernetics has been proven true beyond any doubt or argument. That is, once difficult, now easy. Whatever is now difficult for you, whatever may have prompted your listening to this program, Can be transformed from difficult to easy through the use of certain sound psychological concepts easily understood and mastered mental training techniques and a few practical steps your secret blueprint i would argue that the most important psychological discovery of modern times is the discovery of the self-image by understanding your self-image and by learning to modify it and manage it to suit your purposes you gain incredible confidence and power whether we realize it or not each of us carries within us a mental blueprint or picture of ourselves it may be vague and ill-defined to our conscious gaze. In fact, it may not be consciously recognizable at all. But it is there, complete, down to the last detail.
1: This self-image is our own conception of the sort of person I am. It doesn't?
2: No, that's you.
1: You think that's important to have, like... Because I was thinking in the quadrant model, that would be being. You know, there's thinking, emotion, doing, dreaming, contemplation, passion, fully knowing. That's a third and fourth quadrants. And then there's being... And being is, at one level, it's pure, it's true being, so that's what you really are, but who's to say what that is? But we, but w- what you are is always an identity within this matrix, and th- unless you are the true being with the capital B, but the little being is going to affect your thoughts, emotions, doing, dreaming, kind of, you know, your sensations, perceptions, everything. So your self-image is a part of that, like, oh, I am a man who is like, and it's gonna, that's going to affect, you know, any thoughts of that? Hello?
2: Yeah, I hear you.
1: Yeah, he doesn't? No. But you know, you would say that you, you want to transcend all, you know, self-images though. But then he's, but this guy's saying the self-image is important. But I guess it, it's, it's both, right? At some point, it's important to have a stable, you know, comfortable self-image. You know, it, it's better not to be depressed, but it's better to have, you know, some confidence and stuff and maybe, uh, you know, see yourself in a positive way, that's going to give you a lot better effects than if you have a a negative self-image, right? Or maybe not, though. Maybe sometimes a negative self-image might be the best because it might break you out of the matrix easier. I don't know. What do you think?
2: No, I think a strong one is best because, see, then you don't have to spend... Once that becomes strong, you you no longer need to spend any time defending it or maintaining it or promoting it.
1: Yeah. You
2: just
0: celebrate it. Yeah. does No. It has been built up from our own beliefs about ourselves. Most of these beliefs about ourselves have unconsciously been formed from our past experiences, our successes and failures, our humiliations, our triumphs, and the way other people have reacted to us, especially in early childhood. From all these, we mentally construct a self, or a picture of a self. Once an idea or a belief about ourselves goes into this picture, it becomes truth. As far as we personally are concerned, we do not question its validity, but proceed to act upon it just as if it were true. The self-image then controls what you can and cannot accomplish, what is difficult or easy for you, even how others respond to you. Just as certainly and scientifically as a thermostat controls the temperature in your home. Specifically, all your actions, feelings, behavior, even your abilities, are always consistent with this self-image. Note the word always. In short, you will
1: act like the sort of person you conceive yourself to be. More important. Hey, does it? So that's like, you know, if you see yourself as a basketball player, you see yourself as a, <coughs> as a doctor, but I mean, I guess someone could be a doctor, but he could still, you know, there's that, there's this phenomenon. It's called like, uh, I forget the name. It's like intruder or, or what's, what's the word for it where, where you don't think you belong there? Like oh.
2: imposter,
1: imposter. Yeah. The imposter syndrome where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know yeah, I'm in the NBA, but I'm really not that good. I shouldn't be here. Maybe it's just, or like, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor, but, you know, I'm not really that smart. Maybe it's just, you know, the imposter syndrome. Like, any thoughts of that?
2: Yeah, it's like I was reading just yesterday, I think, about a, I I didn't know his name, an NBA player that, uh, because he was told when he was in high school he'd never make it to the NBA. He just committed himself to doing it, and he got into the NBA, and that was it. He just proved to himself and proved to others that he he could, but then he decided, I'm not an NBA basketball player. I'm just doing this to prove something. So he just quit.
1: Hmm. Yeah, doesn't. No. And what's he doing now?
0: Oh, it didn't say. Important. You literally cannot act otherwise, in spite of all your conscious efforts or willpower. This is why trying to achieve something difficult with teeth gritted is a losing battle willpower is not the answer self-image management is the snapback effect the person who has a fat self-image whose self-image claims to have a sweet tooth to be unable to resist junk food who cannot find the time to exercise will be unable to lose weight and keep it off no matter what he tries to do consciously in opposition to that self-image you cannot long outperform or escape your self-image if you do escape briefly you'll be snapped back like a rubber band extended between two fingers coming loose from one Person who perceives himself to be a failure type person will find some way to fail, in spite of all his good intentions or his willpower, even if opportunity is literally dumped in his lap. The
1: person who... does that Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If if you
2: believe your if you believe your labor, your label, and it'll keep you imprisoned.
1: <sighs> but do you have to always? Because because you would say to transcend all labels and you know just be in the flow. But but do you know? It, is it kind of a? Do, do people automatically accommodate a label you know no matter what kind of you know, any thoughts of that? yeah
2: everybody everybody has a label but we are not our label hmm.
1: um but in a way you kind of are though if you think about it like Maybe there's a more most accurate label, like maybe like archetypally, you know, you were put in the matrix to be a doctor or to be an NBA player and stuff like that. And so maybe you are kind of that label, but you, obviously the word does not address all of the, you know, complexities of your being. But in a way, it also does address some aspects. Like any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I I, I just. Very skeptical about the idea
1: that we're putting the matrix, yeah. I'm not, and, and, and I think that it's, it, you know, like Calvin said, even you know, like I think that things are kind of determined, and especially through the quadrant orientation. If you look at the quadrant model, the quadrants always expressed the people within it, there's some sort of supernatural, mystical phenomena going on. Uh, I think that maybe Moses was predetermined, you know, even they talk about that in the Jewish thing, like, you know, the, the Messiah was predetermined when he was going to come, like, the, the different figures were predetermined, that they would be, a, this guy was going to be a prophet, that was determined before time. You know, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, it's certainly possible, but I don't think the, I don't think the quadrant model determines our destiny.
1: Yeah, not, but be, you you're not looking at the whole complexities of the Quadramar. But there, I, even if if you don't want to say Quadramar, I still would say that there there is still possibly a destiny type of thing in that aspect. Even if you think of like well, the you, even, even huh?
2: Yeah, we, we all we all have our strengths. No, Everybody
1: no, no. has their. Yeah, no, strengths. You, you don't like that idea because because you you want to you know existentialist like oh just take responsibility and just go all out no matter what and don't settle for any labels or whatever. But. It, that doesn't detract from the idea that there still might be a destiny, and even even you're believing that is destined. But, but what I was going to get at is that, um, like even like a brain, your brain goes through different phases in its development. It starts off, and there's like a neuro, uh, neurogenesis, and then there's a proliferation of neurons at one point, and there's and these are all predetermined. And those little neurons in there, they, one of them might say like, hey, we're not predetermined. Let's, you know, some, some of the glia cell, glial cells in there, hey, we're not predetermined. Let's, let's be existentialists and, and take responsibility and let's go all out. And maybe some of the, them are programmed that way and, and, and they do it. But it doesn't change the fact that there was a, a pre-programmed setup that they are following from the beginning. Their proliferation was already determined the the this stage is already determined. That was a and and, and so so when the messiah neuron comes and, and and starts the proliferation, that guy was already kind of determined. There had to be him at that point. And it's kind of like the same thing with like the axial age. If you look at, at history, at the actual age, that's when the Buddha came, that's when Jesus came. That was like the proliferation stage in the, in the in the development of mankind. And especially if the world is like a symphony, each note's predetermined. When Mozart starts the first couple notes, well, the the rest of the symphony is already predetermined because the first few notes are going to be seen throughout the whole symphony in a pattern progression. There, there's there's an interwoven link between every every note, so that the first the first two stanzas are going to determine the whole rest of the thing in a way. And now now you can say no, well, well there there's also some room for you know dif- differentiation and, and some variability and uh, free will in the in the in the progress of the symphony, but maybe maybe not. If it's connected to the higher divine spheres and especially if you look at the quadrant model you know the way that these symphonies go like brahms made four symphonies and this guy did four and, and within them there's a quadrant always expressing itself the cross note and stuff like that there, there obviously is some element of predetermination and some element of an order which is the quadrant now you could say yeah but within that predetermination Destination aspect there is still the capacity for free will. Okay, but maybe that was even predetermined the people who have some people have more free will than others and stuff but regardless It's kind of probably both But maybe it is completely you know, like the 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 Jew like the Orthodox Jews They say that everything is determined, but people also have free will But still everything's determined even though they have free will like anything else then that? but you know, but you, you, you like that idea, like existentialist, like, okay, take responsibility. Don't, don't test yourself for any labels and just go all out. And cause cause if you, if you think everything's predetermined, you might not try so hard, but the, the, the oxymoron is they, they, the Calvinists, they actually were, they, they thrived even more when they accept Calvinism and determinism. So maybe that's actually a more existentially valid viewpoint than, than the idea that there that you have free will because, they accept determinism and their communities thrived more than the other communities. So if, if you're trying to say that, well, my view is more existentially valid, it might not even be true.
2: Any thoughts on that? No. I still, the evidence that I find still indicates that we're all fiddlers on the roof. Hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? That's, that's the symphony. That's the eternal
1: timeless
0: idea and yeah, it does no. conceives himself to be a victim of injustice one who was meant to suffer will invariably find circumstances to verify his opinions you can insert any specific into this your golf game sales career public speaking weight loss relationships the control of your self-image is absolute and pervasive the snapback effect is universal the self-image is a premise a base or a foundation upon which your entire personality your behavior and even your circumstances are built. As a result, our experiences seem to verify and thereby strengthen our self-images. So, either vicious or so do you think our self-image
2: is predetermined?
0: What?
1: I'm saying that it's possible that everything is, is predetermined. predetermined. It's possible that everything is predetermined.
2: Including our self-image.
1: When I say everything, that would mean everything is po- it's possible that everything is predetermined. Yeah, everything includes everything. But it could, you know, it, it, Let's say that you don't want to grasp onto any self image. You know, they say that like you know, there's different personality types. Some personality types don't like to grasp onto self images. That's like the the eight W whatever. Okay, well that was you, so you're not doing it. You you you're taking the existentially valid the existentialist point, viewpoint. Okay, well that was also predetermined perhaps. Um, but what, else, what was I gonna say about that? Um, Yeah, so you know, you 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 want to. It's kind of like again, it's a it's an aspect of both. You know, you want to be like, yeah, you know, don't don't settle for any label and and really what's what's you you are just this way. And then they give you the label five W four and stuff like that. You know, there, there's obviously some truth to that. Obviously, five W four doesn't encompass your whole being, but it's it's accurate in certain senses to describe you. But in a way, it's very possible that you are an archetype. And that you are and that and that is a an important thing and then you, you play that out. You know, I'm I'm the I'm a philosopher archetype. I'm the five W four, you know, Enneagram or whatever, I'm an INTP type of thing. That's more philosophical. And then I, I fulfill that. And but then you can say, Well, I'll know you to do that, and then you give him the label. But it's kinda like both and there's you know, complexities involved. But regardless, it is very possible, like Calvin said, like a lot of philosophers have said that everything is determined. Even the idea, even if you think that things aren't determined, that was determined that you would think that. You know? But and that's a very big possibility. But any thoughts that?
2: Yeah, so I'm determined to to believe that my working premise doesn't include that.
1: Yeah, that's a possibility. I have a working If, 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 you, if you want if if you wanna you know, if you understand Calvinism, that's what they would say. Everything was determined by God beforehand. But also, you know, like the Orthodox Jews, they say everything was determined, but you also do have free will. But what you would choose is already determined. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, so I and choose and, and, and certain, be- obviously certain people and things have more free will than others. You might have more free will than a dog. You know, but but that you know that, that's because... You know, the animals are the third quadrant of the eukaryotes and the humans, you know, or, 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 like that's because, you know, humans are, are, are a different level of the quadrant, a higher level, you know, they, they, according to the, to Aristotle, there was the minerals that have very, that have no free will at all. Then there was the plants, which have a little bit more free will, but barely, then there's the, the, the animals that have a decent amount of free will, but still not complete free will. But then there's humans who have free will in the quadrant aspect that was determined that there would be these four levels. And yeah, you have free will, but also let's be honest, how much free will do you really have? You still have to work within limitations. You, you know, you can't, you know, you're you're still functioning within the space time continuum and you still, you know, and and you still have these personality structures and stuff. Maybe, maybe even astrology is an aspect of it, but that was determined. Maybe your cancer makes maybe maybe, makes you a little bit more moody, maybe more conservative or stuff. That's what they say about cancers as a water element. I don't know, but but maybe that's maybe that's complete baloney. Maybe Charlie's baloney. But all I'm saying is how much free will do you really have? Do you have complete free will? Let's be honest. It doesn't appear so. It seems like you have certain personality structures and proclivities. Sure, no doubt about that. But it doesn't.
0: set up. For example, a student who sees himself as an F type student or one who is dumb in mathematics will invariably find that his report card bears him out. He then has proof in the same manner as the sales professor.
1: But again, yeah, the dangers of it would be like, then someone's like, okay, yeah, so all uh, all white people are this way or all black people are that way. But that's just, you know, the misuse of language and the misuse of labels. You know, there's some white people who might be more black. There's some black people who might be more white. And even within black people, there's some differentiations. And within white people, there's differentiations. And so, I mean, obviously some labels and stuff and some self-images are not completely – don't fulfill all of the dimensions of that person or thing. But that doesn't change the fact that it still could be determined, the person's being nature, archetypal nature within existence. It's just maybe sometimes language doesn't capture every aspect of it. But any thoughts on that?
0: No entrepreneur will also find that her actual experiences tend to prove that her self-image is correct. Whatever is difficult for you, whatever frustrations you have in your life, they are likely proving and reinforcing something ingrained in your self-image like a groove in a record. Because of this objective proof, it very seldom occurs to us that our trouble lies in our self-image or our own evaluation of ourselves. Tell the student that he only thinks he cannot master algebra and he'll doubt your sanity. He has tried and tried and still his report card tells the story. The sales agent that it's only an idea that she cannot earn more than a certain figure, and she can prove you wrong by her order book. She knows only too well how hard she has
1: tried and failed. Yet, as we shall see, and it doesn't. No, now again, obviously, there is a lot, there's truth to what he's saying. If you think that you're a failure, you think you shouldn't earn a lot of money, you might not do it. But also, this can be misused, it can be used to blame the victim and say, Oh, okay, you're not making a lot of money, oh, it's because. It's because your self-image if you would just have a higher consciousness like I have you'd be as successful as I am Obviously, you know, it's clear that people misuse these things if they're immature and they don't understand reality and Maybe even the person who wrote this was casting pearls before swine in that case and you know that, that that happens but You know but you know i'm not going to dismiss the idea that yeah your your self image and stuff is going to affect reality but also someone could listen to this videotape and and it can influence his self image to become a conservative republican fox news watcher and blame the victim you know and 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 then and then he's he he, ta- he takes on these ideas oh yeah people and this isn't saying anything about you but oh yeah people should be independent people should you know, no, no no enabling, no welfare, or whatever, because, you know, the, the people who are poor, it's because of their self-image. You know, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, obviously, a lot of things can be misunderstood and misapplied. Any thoughts of that?
0: No. Almost miraculous changes have occurred, both in grades of students and the earning capacity of salespeople, once they were prevailed upon to change their self-images. Obviously, it's not enough to say, it's all in your head. In fact, that's insulting. It is more productive to explain that it is based on certain ingrained, possibly hidden patterns of thought that, if altered, will free you to tap more of your potential and experience vastly different results. This brings me to the most important truth about the self-image. It can be changed. Numerous case histories have shown that you are never too young or too
1: old to change your self-image and start to live a new, life. So you would say it cannot life. be changed? Huh? No, you could obviously change your self-image. Obviously. I can one day think I'm a basketball player. The next day I can think that I'm a doctor. The next day I can think that I'm a, I'm very smart. The next day I can think that I'm whatever you can change it. Why, why, why can't you?
2: You said everything is predetermined.
1: No, but, but you can change it. But if, if you take the Calvinist view, everything was predetermined, but that doesn't mean that you can't change your self image. So you want it both ways. That's fine. You know, you're just misunderstanding it. Obviously, everything can be predetermined, but you can. It's what it's the Orthodox Jews say. They say that things are determined, but you also have free will. Things can be determined, but you can also change your self-image anytime. If you couldn't change your self-image, that doesn't make any sense in reality because you see people changing their self-image constantly. You know, so some guy can one day be an existentialist. The next day, he can even even that happened to Sartre. Sartre was once at the beginning of his life was an existentialist, and he said, "Always take responsibility for everything, and and don't blame anything and stuff like that." But then by the end of his life, he changed, and he started saying, "Actually, you know what? There obviously is some things. I'm saying obviously a lot, but there there's you know clearly some things that are." You know some environmental factors and stuff like that, and I, you know, I might have been taking it too far, and you know, yeah, take responsibility, but also I acknowledge these other, you know, circumstances, you know, and stuff. So he changed. So he changed his self-image. So,
2: so it was predetermined that he would change.
1: If you take the Calvinist view, everything was predetermined. Everything.
2: Yeah. So that's what I said. So it was predetermined that he would change his. And it was also
1: predetermined that he would brush his teeth in the morning if he did you know everything
0: here's another illustration of how the self-image operates picture yourself living inside two boxes one smaller than the other the bigger box farthest away from you represents real or realistic limits the box within the smaller one that is tightly confining yourself represents self-imposed limits the area between the two boxes is your area or range of underutilized potential. As you discover the need mean-
1: And there's also different types of ways of looking at determined. One could be it's all determined by God. One could be it's all determined by, you know, whatever. But, yeah, but, but still, in, in that viewpoint, everything is determined. And it's so it's determined your self-image, but also you can change your self-image. It, but it, it, you, your self-image isn't what you really are, though. You know, but what you really are is is determined, and and but also what your self image is an aspect of what who you really are. You know, but there's so there's so many dimensions and so many. You know, it
0: does. Of strengthening and liberating your self image, you expand the smaller box, bringing it closer to the size of a larger one, permitting greater use of your true potential. Success from the inside out. It doesn't. No. Not the outside in. One of the reasons it seems so difficult for a person to change habits, personality, or a way of life, has been that nearly all effort.
1: I mean, so that that's up to you. Are you going to, you know, ex, you know, increase your potential? Yeah, you can do that. Go ahead, and just because you believe only that the, if it's, it, huh? Only, only if it's predetermined. No, no, no. But even if you think that things are predetermined, still. That that doesn't mean that you resign and say, "Oh, it's a predetermined," so I'm not going to increase my potential and I'm just going to sit on my on the couch, because it was predetermined. If you want to do that, you can do that. Or you could say it was predetermined. This is what happened with the Calvinists, and this is why they say the Calvinists were actually more successful than the other people. They thrived more of their communities, and they say it's because they said, "Yeah, things are predetermined," but that didn't stop them from working hard. They thought things are predetermined, and I'm going to choose it. I'm and I'm going to prove that I'm one of the chosen. That I'm one of the that that I'm one that, one that God predetermined to be great. And they and they did even better. For some reason. They had they had more.
0: The so change have been directed to the circumference of the cell, so to speak, rather than to the center. Numerous patients have said to me something like the following:
1: If you talk, so you you would admit that that was existentially valid. And if you and if you don't if you don't think so, well then. just look at the results. We're looking at results. We're not looking at, it doesn't make sense. Like the ideology would think, Oh no, no, the ideology of free will would, would bring about more thriving because they're, they're going to work hard because they're taking responsibility, but it didn't appear so in the case of the Calvinists. But any thoughts? They were prospering even more. Any thoughts?
0: No. About positive thinking. I've tried that before and it just doesn't work for me. However, a little questioning invariably brings out that these individuals employed positive thinking or attempted to employ it either on particular external circumstances or on some particular habit or character defect. I will get that job. I will be more calm and relaxed in the future. This business venture will turn out right for me and so on. But they never thought to change their thinking of the self that was to accomplish these things. Jesus warned us about the folly of putting a patch of new material on an old garment or of putting new wine into old bottles. Positive thinking cannot be used effectively as a patch to the same old self-image. In fact, it is literally impossible to really think positively about a particular situation as long as you hold a negative concept of self. Numerous experiments have shown that once the concept of self is changed, other things consistent with the new concept of self are accomplished easily and without strain. A system of ideas. One of the earliest and most convincing experiments along this line was conducted by the late Prescott Lecky, one of the pioneers in self-image psychology me conceive of the personality as a system of ideas, all of which must be consistent with each other. Is us?
1: No. So I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not like putting down anybody or anything here, but I, I want you to question that. But is your ideology the most existentially valid? Because just look at the case of like maybe we don't want to blame the the ideology, the existentialist ideology, on what happened to Amos, but you know Amos obviously you know, he seems to have learned from you. How did it work out for him? You know, how did it? H- how has it worked out? So is maybe maybe it isn't an essentially. Hello.
2: I didn't say it is. I'm saying that's my working premise. Mm-hmm.
1: It? Ideas that are
0: inconsistent you with the system. Understand are understand what rejected. I said? Not believed. Yeah, yeah. And not I acted on. Ideas that seem to be consistent with the system are accepted at the very center of the system of ideas the keystone or the base on which all else is built is the individual's self-image or his conception of himself lucky was a school teacher and had an opportunity to test his theory on thousands of students he theorized that if a student had trouble learning a certain subject it could be because from this...
1: but again it's kind like of, look look at the through the through the buddhist or through the east eastern uh logic system they say that things can't be both determined and determined, and things can't there can't be both free will and not free will. But, I mean, that's what they say in the Western logic. But in Eastern logic, you allow for contradictions, and I would say perhaps the Eastern logic is more accurate to, to reality. In the dream matrix or in the quadrant matrix or whatever, both can be true, both can be false, both can be not true. You know, it's like when people. People have to really open their minds to understand that, but any thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, that's a working, that's a valid working premise.
0: Student's point of view, it would be inconsistent for him to learn it. Lucky believed, however, that if the student could be induced to change his self definition, his learning ability should also change. This proved to be the case. One student who misspelled 55 words out of 100 and flunked so many subjects that he lost credit for a year made a general average of 91 the next year and became one of the best spellers in school. A girl who was dropped from one college because of poor grades entered Columbia and became a straight A student. A boy who was told by a testing bureau that he had no aptitude for English won honorable mention the next year for a literary prize. The trouble with these students was not that they were dumb or lacking in basic aptitudes. The trouble was an inadequate self-image. I don't have a mathematical mind. I'm just naturally a poor speller. They identified with their mistakes and failures. Instead of saying I failed that test, which is factual and descriptive, they concluded I am a failure. Instead of saying I flunked that subject, they said I am a flunkout. For those who are interested in learning more of Lecky's work, try to find a copy of his book Self
1: Consistency: A the Theory of Personality. Lecky also used the same method to cure. He does it.
0: No. Students of such habits as nail biting and stuttering. My own files contain case histories just as convincing. The woman who was so afraid of strangers that she seldom ventured out of the house and who now makes her living as a public speaker. The salesman, who had already prepared a letter of resignation because he just wasn't cut out for selling, and six months later was number one man on a force of 100 salespeople. The minister, who was considering retirement because nerves and the pressure of preparing a sermon every week were getting him down, and who now delivers an average of three outside talks a week in addition to his weekly sermons, and doesn't know he has a nerve in his body. Following Dr. Lucky's breakthrough thinking on this...
1: Hey, does. No
0: subject, born from observation, as well as my own observations and thoughts chronicled in the earlier editions of this book, a mountain of more sophisticated scientific research and anecdotal evidence has led to the acceptance of the controlling self-image by most of the academic psychological community. How a plastic surgeon became interested in self-image psychology. My story. Offhand, there would seem to be little or no connection between surgery and psychology. Yet it was the work of the plastic surgeon that first hinted at the existence of the self-image and raised certain questions that led to important psychological knowledge. When I first began the practice of plastic surgery many years ago, I was amazed by the dramatic and sudden changes in character and personality that often resulted when a facial defect was corrected. Changing the physical image in many instances appeared to create an entirely new person. In case after case, the scalpel that I held in my hand became a magic wand that transformed not only patients' appearance, but their whole life. The shy and retiring became bold and courageous. A stupid boy changed into an alert, bright youngster who went on to become an executive with a prominent firm. A salesman who had lost his touch and his faith in himself became a model of self-confidence. And perhaps the most startling of all was the habitual hardened criminal who changed almost overnight from an incorrigible who had never shown any desire to change into a model prisoner who won a parole and went on to assume a responsible role in society. Some 60 years ago... No.
1: Hey, yeah, so the, You know? Yeah, so people can change, it and changing your self-image, as you said, is very effective. You know, the, these guys are... I mean, but you would say also that you want to transcend any self-image to, 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 you know, so that you can break free of the ego body to the truth. That's an aspect. But also, I think that it, that it's uh, apparent that um, that there's some self-images that you can adopt that will affect different results in your life. You know, any thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: no question about that. I reported many such case histories in my book, New Faces, New Futures, written more for my peers than the public. Following its publication, and similar articles in leading magazines, I was besieged with questions by criminologists, psychologists, sociologists, and psychiatrists. They asked questions that I could not answer, but they did start me on a search. Strangely enough, I learned as much from my failures as from my successes, if not more. It was easy to explain the successes. The boy with the two big ears, who had been told that he looked like a taxicab with both doors open, had been ridiculed all his life, often cruelly. Association with others meant humiliation and pain. Why shouldn't he avoid social contact? Why shouldn't he become afraid of people and retire into himself? Terribly afraid to express himself in any way, he became known as stupid. When his ears were corrected, it would seem only natural that since the cause of his embarrassment and humiliation had been removed, he should assume a normal role in life, which he did. Or consider the salesman who
1: suffered a facial disfigurement as the result of an automobile accident. Each morning when he shaved, he could see the horrible, disfiguring scar on his. no. Are you doing some pots or something?
2: Yeah, I'm fixing the fire.
1: Okay.
0: Fair. And the grotesque twist to his mouth. For the first time in his life, he became painfully self-conscious. He was ashamed of himself and felt that his appearance must be repulsive to others. The scar became an obsession with him. He was different from other people. He began to wonder what others were...
1: What do you think about that scar, Grandpa? Any thoughts? No. I'm thinking that, you know, that it's calling attention to his body, obviously, but... You know, it's kind of plain plain that that's what's going on, but at the same time, like, it doesn't necessarily have to. He doesn't have to be so focused on it, but why is he obsessing over this scar? Any thoughts?
2: No, it's like that. That um, very deformed person who had that talk on TED Talks.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: She did not let her disfigurement affect her life.
1: Yeah. But it, it, it's pretty evident that you know disfigurements do affect your life. People look at the scar, and, and it changes the way that they deal with you. They questions go through their mind: Is this guy a bad guy? You know, does, is this guy? You know, is he is he poor? Did he grow up in a poor neighborhood, and that's why he got sliced? You know, stuff like that. Like any thoughts?
2: Sure, it
1: affects the way other people think about you. So, and that's the same thing with like you know to to say to someone like who's who's quote unquote black, even though it is kind of a social construction, but to say to someone, and that's why there's it both, it's a social construction, and it's not. But then you know to say someone who's who's quote unquote, let's say Mexican, or even even someone who's Jewish. You know, you look at people who who are quote unquote Jewish, and you could say, oh, it's a social construction. But you can tell, I can tell if someone's Jewish every time. Almost, you know, I don't. I don't know if you can, but I can. But if if you look at some, do, do you think so, Grandpa? Yeah, sure. It
2: has a profound effect.
1: Yeah. So 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 you look at someone and you can tell something. That, okay, this guy's black, or whatever. And, and it's, but then to, 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 to deny him, like, oh, it's you're not really black. But this guy says, well, you know what? In this world. Yeah. I, it's true that people in this world are immature and they can, you know, grow grow up beyond that. And they can recognize, okay, there's, there's a lot of societal factors that, that have led to, you know, black crime being higher and stuff like that, quote unquote and all that, whatever. But, but if you look at the person, it, I mean, you tell the person, okay, you're, you're not really black, but then this person says, but, but when, when people deal with me, they treat me different. They treat me like I'm black and that's his experience in the world. So to to dismiss that and to contradict it, you know, that's rejecting his his re- reality that he's experiencing. Any thoughts? Of course,
2: those, those are always factors. And it doesn't. I'm white, and I'm only five ten, and I have small hands. Well, like like, and like got with fingers fingers. even even
1: with you, crap. I remember when I was when I when I saw you. When I was in Kauai, I was like, "Grandpa, you're not really white," I said, "because you have thicker hair." See, there's, there's, there's complexity. So I was like, "You're, you're, you're maybe more like you're sort of white, but you obviously have more maybe like African admixture." That's why I thought about you. And then, but, but you said, "I think that's dualistic consciousness," because yeah, I was, I was calling attention to your ego body and the idea of separation and stuff like that. And, but at the same time, there's separation, there's not separation, and you can transcend the ego body, and that would probably be ideal. But at the same time, we live in the matrix of separation. Any thoughts of that? We live in what? We we live in a matrix where there's diff differentiation and different quote unquote things. There's things and there's not things. Any thoughts? No. What do you think?
0: No thoughts. Soon his self image was even more mutilated than his face. He began to lose confidence in himself. He became bitter and hostile. Soon, almost all his attention was directed toward himself, and his primary goal became the protection of his ego and the avoidance of situations that might bring humiliation. It is easy to understand how the correction of his facial disfigurements and the restoration of a normal face would overnight change this man's entire attitude and outlook, his feelings about himself, resulting in greater success in his work. The mystery inspired me. If the scalpel was magic, why did some people who acquired new faces go right on wearing their old personalities what about the exceptions those who didn't change what about the duchess who all her life had been terribly shy and self-conscious because of a tremendous hump in her nose although surgery gave her a classic nose and a face that was truly beautiful she continued to act the part of the ugly duckling the unwanted sister who could never bring herself to look another human being in the eye It doesn't no if the scalpel itself was magic why did it not work on the duchess Or what about all the others who acquired new faces, but went right on wearing the same old personality? How to explain the reaction of people who insist that the surgery has made no difference whatever in their appearance? change in appearance may be, certain patients will insist that, I look just the same as before, you didn't do a thing. Friends, even family, may scarcely recognize them. May become enthusiastic over their newly acquired beauty. Yet the patients themselves insist that they can see only slight or no improvement, or in fact deny that any change at all has been made comparison of before and after photographs does little good and may even arouse hostility by some strange mental alchemy the patient will rationalize of course i can see that the hump is no longer in my nose but my nose still looks just the same or the scar may not show anymore but it's still there scars that bring pride instead of shame still another clue in search of the elusive self-image is the fact that not all scars or disfigurements bring shame and humiliation. when i was a young medical student in Germany. I saw many a student proudly wearing his saber scar, much as an American might wear the Medal of Honor. The duelists were the elite of college society, and a facial scar was the badge that proved you a member in good standing.
1: It does. Yeah. To these boys, the
0: acquisition of a horrible scar on the cheek had the same psychological effect as the eradication of the scar from the cheek of my salesman patient. I began to see that a knife itself held no magical power. It could be used on one person to infect the scar and on another to erase a scar with the same psychological results. The mystery of imaginary ugliness. To a person handicapped by a genuine congenital defect or suffering an actual facial disfigurement as a result of an accident, plastic surgery can indeed seemingly perform magic. From such cases, it would be easy to theorize that the cure-all for all neuroses, unhappiness, failure, fear, anxiety, and lack of self-confidence would be wholesale plastic surgery to remove all bodily defects. However... According to this theory, persons with normal or acceptable faces should be singularly free from all psychological handicaps. They should be cheerful, happy, self-confident, free from anxiety and worry. We know only too well this is not true. Nor can such a theory explain the people who visit the office of a cosmetic surgeon and demand a facelift to cure a purely imaginary ugliness. There are, for example, the 35- to 45-year-old women who are convinced that they look old, even though their appearance is perfectly normal and in many cases unusually attractive. There are the young girls who are convinced that they are ugly Merely because their mouth, nose, or bust measurement does not exactly match that of the current reigning Hollywood celebrity, teen pop star, or the most popular girl in their school. There are the men who believe that their ears are too big or their nose is too long. Such imagined <sighs> ugliness is not at all uncommon. Hey, does that. it? <clears throat> no.
1: I remember when I was younger, I used to think I was fat, you know, and, and that made exercised exercise a lot extra when I was younger. Maybe that, was, that helped me be more athletic. But I, I remember when I was really young, I, was, I used to think I was fat, and I would get like the buns of steel workout tapes, and I would like be doing the buns of steel exercises and all that stuff like that to, to get skinny. Any thoughts on that?
2: No. It's just an example of that.
0: Surveys of everyone from teenagers and college students to mature men and women consistently show high numbers 78, even 90% dissatisfied in some way with their appearance. If the words normal or average mean anything at all, It is obvious that 90% of our population cannot be abnormal or different or defective in appearance. Yet surveys have shown that approximately the same percentage of our general population find some reason to be ashamed of their body image. Of course, in some cases, this becomes constructive dissatisfaction that motivates healthy weight loss and exercise. Many other times, though, it either stimulates attempts at weight loss or fitness doomed to failure because of strong self-image-based restrictions, or simply cause people profound unhappiness. These people react just as if they suffered an actual disfigurement. They feel the same shame. They develop the same fears and anxieties. Their capacity to really live fully is blocked and choked by the same sort of psychological roadblocks. Their scars, though mental and emotional rather than physical, are just as debilitating. Why are the rich and powerful unhappy? Why do the popular, successful, wealthy, beautiful people of Hollywood, athletes awarded mega million dollar contracts and set for life, and enormously influential and powerful business or political leaders engage in amazingly unhappy and self-sabotaging acts of alcohol or drug abuse and addiction? in all manner of publicly humiliating and destructive behavior
1: it does it. No. <clears throat> you would say it's because they want to they, they know there's more to life than this right they maybe reach the top and they're like wait i should be fulfilled right now but they're not fulfilled so they think okay maybe drugs or something any thoughts yeah
2: maybe yeah, that's a possibility
1: maybe, maybe also the pain and suffering maybe the pain and suffering that they maybe maybe abuse maybe neglect and stuff and that made them go to the top gave them the extra impetus and, the, and then they also do the drugs there's so many reasons you know but reasons aren't necessarily always helpful, but it doesn't. No. But, uh... Yeah.
0: You see it reported every day. They bought the BMW and they had the $3 million Mill Valley house and they still wake up in the morning and say, I don't feel good about myself. That's a quote from Dr. Stephen Goldbart, a psychologist treating many dot-com and tech industry millionaires in Silicon Valley for what is characterized as undeserved wealth syndrome. Wealth, success, power, and celebrity are no more guarantees of happiness and peace of mind than surgical improvement of some personal appearance flaw. The self-image, the real secret. Discovery of the self-image explains all the apparent discrepancies we've been discussing. It is the common denominator, the determining factor in all our case histories, the failures as well as the successes. The secret is this. To really live, that is, to find life reasonably satisfying, you must have an adequate and realistic self-image that you can live with. You must find yourself acceptable to you. You must have a wholesome self-esteem. You must have a self that you can trust and believe in. You must have a self that you are not ashamed to be and one that you can feel free to express creatively rather than hide or cover up. You must know yourself, both your strengths and your weaknesses, and be honest with yourself concerning both. Your self-image must be a reasonable approximation of you being neither more. It does no
1: So they say that the definition of a narcissist Is someone with a higher self image Than what other people think of them. So if someone thinks You know if someone thinks like Oh I'm the best in the world But other people also agree Like like when LeBron James said Like I'm the best basketball player in the world they, w- they would say Okay that guy's a narcissist If he wasn't But if other people agree with you Then you're not a narcissist But the definition of a narcissist Is someone who has a higher self image Than what most people agree with Any thoughts of that? Well
2: From the existential point of view, he's concerned with vanity.
1: Yeah.
2: He's driven by vanity.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 not helpful to to be vain and be like I'm the best in the world. It's just helpful to go all out and just you know work your hardest. And it's not you who's the best. If you're the best, it's not because of you. It's because of the flow. I know that with the basketball. When I was the best, it wasn't because of me. I didn't know I was the best. You know. Any thoughts that? No.
0: Or less than you are. When this self-image is intact and secure, you feel good. When it is threatened, you feel anxious and insecure. When it is adequate, and one that you can be wholesomely proud of, you feel self-confident. You feel free to be yourself and to express yourself. You function at your optimum. When the self-image is an object of shame, you attempt to hide it rather than express it. Creative expression is blocked. You become hostile and hard to get along with. If a scar on the face enhances the self-image, as in the case of the German dualist, self-esteem and self-confidence are increased. If a scar on the face detracts from the self-image, as in the case of the salesman, loss of self-esteem and self-confidence result. When a facial disfigurement is corrected by plastic surgery, dramatic psychological changes result only if there is a corresponding correction of the mutilated self-image. Sometimes the image of a disfigured self persists even after successful surgery, much the same as the phantom limb may continue to feel pain years after the physical arm or leg has been amputated. I begin a new career. These observations led me into a new career. In 1945 or so, I became definitely convinced that many of the people who consult a plastic surgeon need more than surgery, and that some do not need surgery at all. If I were to treat these people as patients, as a whole person, rather than as merely a nose, ear, mouth, arm, or leg, I needed to be in a position to give them something more. I needed to be able to show them how to obtain a psychological, emotional, and spiritual facelift, how to remove emotional scars, how to channel their attitudes and thoughts, as well as modify their physical appearance. This determination launched me on a continuing process of pointed observation documenting my own case histories, lecturing both to peers and to the public, then writing this book, first oh, published in 1960. Good, this book caught the public's imagination in a special way. It was excerpted in popular magazines, including Reader's Digest and Cosmopolitan, purchased by the thousands by corporations for their salespeople and other employees, adopted by top athletes, coaches, and teams, including the Vince Lombardi coached Green Bay Packers. Its success led quickly to many speaking engagements, seminar tours, radio, and television interviews, even my
1: own... It does?
0: No radio
1: program seems like he brags a lot huh but you know you can't you can't blame him because in this world a lot of people are looking for credentials and this guy's saying hey I've been on all these TV shows people have used my book you know and you want to give those credentials because then people say okay well this guy's a real deal I'll listen to his book you know any thoughts on that well,
2: see, this whole thing is about self concerning about the self as an individual separated as a separate Entity. It's all about self-confirmation.
1: Yeah. So you think the cyber, psycho, cybernetics might actually be not that helpful because it's self, it's it's based around an illusion. It's teaching you about the self, which is an illusion.
2: Well, yeah, and it's useful at a certain stage in your life, for for much of your life.
1: But it's something that can be outgrown to a higher level. Right.
0: To speak about my discoveries came from churches, colleges, and corporations.
1: I mean, and just, but just the process of inquiry that helps you to transcend this self because inquiry, you know, is, but, but you know, again, it can be misused, this idea, like, like you said about with uh, what, was, what was her name? Uh, Sojourner Truth. She didn't fight the s- slavery, she didn't join the slavery, she walked away. Now, you can, you can use that and you can say, okay, someone who's immature and just say, yeah, okay, stop fighting us and just walk away. Okay, but sometimes people need help and sometimes you need to grow up and quit being such a jackass and creating a system of slavery, you know? Any thoughts of that?
2: Yeah. You can't just walk away. You walk, can- away as, walk away is a walk away is pro uh, externally is a is an external manifestation of walking away internally.
1: Yeah, so it's it's walking away from the self to the higher consciousness of, of truth. Of inspiration, intuition, thought which can bring you to the greatest levels of, of being. Any thoughts on that? Right. You got it. But, but, but what I'm getting at is this, though. Um. <clears throat> oh, what was what was, what was I getting at? I forget. What, why did I bring that up in the first place? What, 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 what was this guy talking about?
2: I don't know what you were trying to bring you know, up.
1: No, what, what was he saying? Oh, oh, we were talking about like the self or something. I forget. But anyways, yeah, so... Uh, for, I forget what I was going to say.
0: Ultimately, yeah. I also wrote several other books, extensions of this one, including The Magic Power of Self-Image. Late in my life, three decades after its first publication, I was gratified that Psycho continues to sell tens of thousands of copies each year, almost entirely thanks to word-of-mouth recommendations, and is inspiring new interpretations. With each passing year, as I accumulated more... Exp-
1: yeah, anyways, yeah, the idea of self-inquiry is like, yeah, so, so the Seeker of Truth, that's you know, going outside the self and and looking for patterns and oneness that can bring you to the higher level of being. That's what the inquiry is. Sojourner truth, seeking of truth. But at the same time, (coughs) again, like when I was playing basketball, you know, when I was considered the best, I wasn't aware of my body. I wasn't aware of what I was doing. It wasn't me that was doing it. Any thoughts?
0: Yeah. Teaching the power of self-image, counseling, and monitoring the results people achieved with this information. I became more convinced than ever that what each of us really wants, deep down, is more life. Something I termed aliveness, the experience of living a life unrestricted by self-image-imposed artificial limits. Happiness, success, peace of mind, whatever your own conception of supreme good may be, is experienced, in its essence, as more life. When we experience expansive emotions of happiness, self-confidence, and success, we enjoy more life. And to the degree that we inhibit our abilities frustrate our God-given talents, and allow ourselves to suffer anxiety, fear, self-condemnation, and self-hate, we literally choke off the life force available to us, and turn our back on the gift that our creator has made. To the degree that we Ye- deny the gift of life, we embrace death. Yeah, see, what he's Your talking about is liberation. the flow.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, does it?
2: What, what we all want is the flow. Yeah, that's enough for today. Alright. Uh, okay. Think about- yep.